focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I'm so excited about today's podcast. On today's show, I get the privilege of speaking with Dr. Karen Litzy. I first ran across Dr. Litzy actually on Twitter and began listening to her podcast. And her podcast uh, features top experts in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. And the podcast is really about giving information and and inspiration uh, to your life and to taking your career to the next level. And as I was listening to her podcast, I was like, man, this is this really resonates with what we're doing here at Holistic Finance. And I thought, well, let me reach out to her and see if she could possibly be a resource here. And so I messaged her and she graciously said yes. Uh, not only does she have her own podcast, but she's a licensed physical therapist and has her own practice. She's a speaker. And she's the creator of the Women in Physical Therapy Summit. And so without further ado, please allow me to introduce Dr. Karen Litzy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I always like to be on the other side of the microphone every once in a while instead of hosting. It's a treat to be a guest on another podcast. So thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate your time. So, you know, I always like starting these, these conversations off with, you know, you're a physical therapist in the medical profession. Like what led you to get into that profession? Well, I think I have always been athletic. So even through high school, I was a high school athlete and I was a gymnast. And when I grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania and the physical therapist in my town, uh, when I was a junior or senior in high school, wanted to do some strength and flexibility testing on me because of years of being a gymnast. And so Mm -hmm. I was just in his clinic and kind of hanging around and watching the work that they were doing. And I thought this, this sounds like, this seems like something I would want to do. And I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. I wasn't sure if I wanted to become a physician or not. So I thought, well, you know, I'll apply to physical therapy school and graduate and then if i want to go to medical school it's an option afterwards if not like i have this career as a physical therapist um to kind of take me through and so that's what i did and i um when i went to physical therapy school it was a five-year master's program so i entered into physical therapy school right out of high school as a freshman and graduated in five years with a master's degree and then i had have over the years, subsequently went back to school for a doctorate of physical therapy. But yeah, I mean, I just, I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. And once I started get going on clinical rotations in physical therapy school, I really enjoyed the amount of time I got to spend with each patient. And it was just something that I fell in love with. And so I decided not to go to medical school and to uh, graduate and go the path of a physical therapist. Gotcha. So the the wellness aspect of, of physical therapy sounds like that attracted you to to that occupation more than medical school. Is that a fair statement or no? Yeah, and I think it's also the time spent with your patients or with your clients. Yeah. I really enjoyed being able to spend and you know anywhere from a half an hour to an hour with people to really getting to know 
why they came into physical therapy and getting to know why they want to get better and what their life is like and how as a physical therapist, you could be so instrumental in helping people achieve goals and helping people get back to doing the things they love, whether that be sports or hobbies or family, friends, work, whatever it may be. I just really liked that part of spending time with people, getting to know them, and really being integral in their recovery. Yeah, the the one on one, you know, I mentioned this to you when when I when I messaged you. Um, you know, my son had a stroke in utero, and so, and we didn't know this when he was born. We we just happened to to see different things. My my we had a daughter prior to my son, and we started noticing a couple things that he wasn't necessarily doing. And so, you know, we went to the, uh, his uh, physician and then they did a bunch of tests. Long story short, we started working with physical therapists to help work with the right side of his body and the, the care and the one-on-one and just the, almost the relationship that he was building with the physical therapist was just frankly inspiring and amazing as to what she was doing. So I definitely understand. I saw that firsthand with my son and, you know, I've already said thank you for being on the show, but thank you for what you do for a living because it's just amazing what you do for people. Yeah, and I think when you, in a situation like yours, the physical therapist, the occupational therapist, they kind of become part of your family because they're there to help your child with all these different milestones that normally children would be reaching on their own, but for some kids, they need a little bit of help along the way. And so yeah. you you have these people that are working with your child and with you as the caregiver or the parent um, several times a week. And so they just kind of become ingrained into your life and the difference they can make, um, especially in, in a case uh, like your like your son, is it can be remarkable. And the, and the field has changed. I mean, you brought up your, your sports, you know, your athletic background and, and bring that like physical therapy, like correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I am wrong here. You know, I played all through high school and whatnot. And when I got hurt, it was, you know, you, you had the different things to, to get better in terms of rest and, and, and sleep and whatnot. But the physical therapy aspect wasn't necessarily pushed that much, at least when I was growing up. At least I don't remember it being pushed. You know, I, I absolutely, I totally agree. And I think now physical therapy is more and more being pushed by physicians, mainly, um, you know, orthopedics, sports medicine physicians, even some primary care physicians. But I think now that the general public is becoming a little bit more aware of all the things that physical therapists can do. So in your case, you have this pediatric physical therapist coming in to work with your child but there are physical therapists who are working with people after surgeries uh, for low back pain as um, part of an alternative to opioids. So we like Mm -hmm. to think that we're hopefully part of a solution to the opioid crisis across the country. Um, uh, In patients who are diagnosed with uh, different kinds of cancers, now physical therapy is part of the first line of care. So you're diagnosed with 
you have a cancer diagnosis and now physical therapists are being called in at time of diagnosis to see, well, how can we help this patient, whether that be get ready for some sort of uh, cancer therapeutics, getting ready for surgery, and then certainly seeing them throughout treatment. Um, so there's a lot yeah. of different ways that physical therapists can kind of weave into uh, people's lives. And, you know, we can also see people before they get injured. So I always say, like, if you're thinking of running a marathon or you haven't worked out in a while and you want to get back into it, a physical therapist is a great person to go to because we're experts in kind of human movement. We know the body. We know the anatomy. And we can kind of get you to where you need to go safely. And uh, there's just so many aspects now to physical therapy that uh, I think it is a growing profession the in at least here in the United States, so people listening in the United States, you know, the population like of baby boomers is getting a lot older and they expect a higher need for physical therapists in the future because of that aging uh, population of baby boomers. So there's there's a lot more, um, I think, awareness around physical therapists and what we do. And hopefully that just continues to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't that's just fantastic it's it's good stuff i'm glad to see you know at least america you know transitioning to to that holistic approach and it, it's it's clearly uh, a needed profession in america here so that's awesome um it, you know i brought up the podcast uh early on in my introduction of you I, i'd love to hear more about like you know, why did you start it? Like, what had you say, huh, I'm doing all this other stuff. Let's add podcasts to the list. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I wish that I could say I had a grand plan for this starting of this podcast, but I started it probably in like 2011 or 2012 before podcasts were a big thing. It was before Serial came out and the podcast boom of maybe four years ago. And right. when I first started, it was an online live radio show for an online radio station based here in New York City. I'm in New York City. And I, so how it started was I was a guest on my friend's uh, radio show. He's a personal trainer and he had me come on as a physical therapist just to talk about physical therapy and what we do. And sure. the producer of this online radio station was there and he said, oh, you have a nice voice. You seem smart. You want your own show. And I was like, I don't know. You know, let me think about it. So I took a month to think about it. And I said, sure, why not? So I started doing the show at the time. Healthy, Wealthy and Smart wasn't really a podcast. It was a live radio show every Monday at one o'clock with commercial breaks and the whole thing. And then I realized about, I don't know, six months in or so that, wait a second, I can actually do this from my apartment, which meant I didn't have to pay the X amount of money I was paying to rent the studio to do these interviews. And I had right. the flexibility to interview people whenever. So it took me a little while to figure that out. And then I got help from, um, you know, a computer expert, an IT expert, and we we set up a website for me to host my own podcast. So now they have things like Libsyn or Anchor or Blueberry as your podcast host. Back then I had to do all the backend coding myself in wow. order to get every episode up onto iTunes. Um, 
So I'm like skirmishing as you're saying that because yeah, yeah. I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, so I did that for like years, and then I discovered Libsyn, and I was like, what am I doing, man? This is like twenty bucks a month. And so I switched everything over to, to Libsyn to host the podcast. And then, you know, it just kept growing over time. I took a little bit of break. I took a two-year break where I wasn't doing the podcast as often as usual because I was went back to school to get my doctorate of physical therapy. So something had to give because I was still working full-time. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, and then little by little, it's grown year over year ever since then. And, um, yeah, so now as a result of that, I'm on this podcast. So you never know uh, who's listening and where it can take you. And so it's been a lot of fun. But, no, I did not have a grand plan when I started. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing where the podcast world is now, clearly, versus where it was. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know, your podcast specifically, I was listening to the latest one that just came out where you're talking about um, – you're talking to Dr. Lynn around um, the consulting work that she does. Yeah. And yeah. you made a comment that I think will hit home, at least for our listeners around, you know, she thought she was going to be a physical therapist and have this job until the day she retires rather than transitioning to maybe consulting role. She just doesn't know, you know, what may occur. And I think so many of our listeners in the medical profession, like, they haven't thought that all the way through either. And it was just a very interesting episode that you had. I just thought I would drop that line there for you. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's true because oftentimes when you graduate, whether it be high school or college or even a trade, you think, okay, I'm just going to get a job and I'm going to have a job and this is what I'm going to do. Like I'm going right. to get a job in a hospital and I'm going to work there for the rest of my life or outpatient clinic or wherever that may be. And you never think to yourself, Hey, wait a second. Like there's actually, I can use the skills that I've learned in school as a physical therapist or, you know, as an accountant or as a lawyer, and you can use those skills in a lot of different ways. So what uh, Dr. Steffies was talking about was using her skills as a physical therapist to become a successful consultant. So she would, yeah, See, you know, she would go to a company, she would evaluate that company, she would talk to the people in that company, then she would write the goals, write some pain points, write what they needed and formulate a plan. And that's everything that we learn as physical therapists when we go in to work with a patient. So I, I really liked her perspective on that because it it kind of gives you a little bit more to think about and a little bit more uh maybe broadens your horizons a little bit more it, just the podcast in general that podcast obviously hit me and as i'm listening to different podcasts and yours included and then when i'm interviewing or having conversations like we're having today like i learn a ton just that's applicable to my business and applicable to, to our listeners what, what are the have you learned anything when you're interviewing some of these other doctors in, in regards to maybe applying it to, to your practice or your life? Oh, my God. Every single interview. <laughs> Open. I yeah. always say I feel like having this podcast and hosting this podcast has been like one of the greatest educations of my life. Because, yes, if I'm interviewing someone on uh, specific clinical care, so things that I may use with the patient in the clinic the next day, 
100%. Every episode, I learn something that I can take to a patient. There's no doubt about it. If I'm interviewing a researcher or a master clinician or something like that, every single time. For the amount of people that I've interviewed uh, that are entrepreneurs or in the business world, I take that information and I go back to my practice and I kind of audit and I say, okay, this, hmm, how can, how can what, you know, this guest said about marketing, how can I apply that to my business? Um, but yeah, I have learned from every single person that has come onto this podcast I've learned from. And I've also learned and been able to apply some of the things that I've done to help make me a better host. So for example, I've taken improv classes, I've taken public speaking classes, and uh, when I took the improv classes, I thought, oh, this is going to be great because it'll allow me to better be a better podcast host, be a little bit quicker, be able to think on my feet. And then I quickly realized, well, wait a second, these improv classes are really helping me when I'm interviewing my patients. And when I am networking with people at different events, and of course, when I'm doing the podcast. So it's it's really been this well-rounded education that has helped me from uh, the standpoint of a professional career and also in my personal life as well. So yes, everything you said, I've learned from every single person. I don't even think I could name my top three because it, it's just too much. It's overwhelming. No, that, I get it. I get it. You brought up marketing. And um, from my experience, uh, from a, from an advisory standpoint of getting, uh, you know, helping a practice with their cash flow, and also I go in and I speak to a lot of um, schools and kind of finance 101 for a lot of these students, the, mm -hmm. the biggest stumbling block and what's not, from what I'm gathering, is not being taught all that much is, well, how do you actually start a business? How do you market the business? Because you have to have clients and patients to actually see so that you can actually make money so that you can help more people. So <laughs> there's this dynamic that's not being taught there. So from your, you know, from your experience, where did you go to learn to, to how to start your physical therapy practice? Well, um, I learned from a lot of different resources. One is the private practice section, which is a section within the American Physical Therapy Association, which is our professional organization. So there is a business section and it's called the private practice section. So I've learned a lot from their resources and I've also learned a lot from attending their meetings and from networking and kind of learning one-on-one -on -one from other therapists. I've also learned a ton from my patients because a lot of my patients are entrepreneurs or they're heads of companies and they have just given me amazing advice that I have used consistently year over year for my practice. Um, and I've joined different entrepreneurial groups here in New York City um, and have learned from a lot of my colleagues. So I, I don't have any formal business school training but I did learn from colleagues and from the private practice section and from my patients. Could you, and this might be a loaded question, so if you could go back to your, your <laughs> when you first started your practice, if you could tell yourself 
three things that would have changed a lot of things or maybe saved a bunch of heartache or stress, what do you think those three things would be? Get a good lawyer. Get a good Get lawyer. A lawyer. Gotcha. Get a good lawyer. Yep. Have that lawyer do all of your uh, incorporation paperwork. Uh, yes, it costs yep. money, but they will do it correctly and you don't have to worry about it. So that's number one. Get a good lawyer. Okay. Um, number two, trust yourself. Trust your judgment. Meaning if, you know, a situation arises, I think it's fine to have a couple of trusted advisors that you know you can go to, but you don't have to literally ask everyone. You know, I had a guest on my podcast a couple of months ago, her name's uh, Jazz Bianchi, and she said, you know, it's, when, when life hands you big decisions or your business hands you big decisions, you wanna kind of run it by a few people who you really trust or a few people who might be experts in whatever the topic is or whatever this problem is. She's like, but it's, she said, you know, you wouldn't leave your apartment and ask every single person you saw on the street what kind of coffee you should get that day. And so, <laughs> isn't that great? And so <laughs> I think great. I was just, I know, I love that. She's like, it's ridiculous. Like you would never do that. So why would you do that with your business? Like you don't have to go on to Facebook and ask a million people and call all your friends and your parents and ask a million people. It's like too many chefs in the kitchen. And I think in the beginning I was asking too many people, getting too many opinions and then not really being able to make the best decision that maybe I could have or should have. So I've learned to now ask people who are experts in that topic, maybe one or two people, and then trust my judgment and go with it instead of asking a million people. Because in the end, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and right. then I guess, the yeah. And then the last thing I would do is I would, when I first started, I would have been a little bit better with my time management skills. And I would have been a little bit better at scheduling sort of me time into my mm. schedule. In the beginning, I think I said yes to everything. I was going, going, going and not taking any time for myself. And I think that that's a big problem because through your, throughout your week, you need to take time for yourself to reflect in, in my case, as a physical therapist, perhaps reflect on my patients, perhaps reflect on my business and try and kind of work on the business instead of working in the business all the time. So I think one of I, the hardest that, things. Yeah. You hit really the nail on the head there. Because, yeah. <clears throat> because, and it took a while for even me to get through this, my head to, to get this through my head was everything I'm saying yes to, it means I'm saying no to something else. Right. And right? I remember, and, I, and it ends up good. Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I would, I think I was just going to probably echo what you were going to say. I used to just say yes to everything and doing that is detrimental because if it doesn't align with your values and your goals, why are you saying yes to it just to say yes? Exactly. And oftentimes I was even putting myself like dead last and you got to take care of yourself first. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, I what, know. Are, what are we doing? <laughs> exactly. And I think I used to always look at it as, oh, well, no, I can, you know, I could suffer. I can, I can put myself last, but then it's like, you can't like, I'm no good to my patients. I'm no good to my businesses, but I'm not good to myself. And I used to always think putting myself first was being selfish 
when in fact be, putting yourself first and caring for yourself is exactly what your patients need and what your business needs or your employees need because then you're more focused, you're happier, you're excited to be there, you're excited to be on the job and working in the business and on the business. And I think if you put yourself last, you're kind of burn yourself out and you're crabby and you're just, you're not happy, you know, you're not making, and, and I also think that you don't make good decisions. Uh, yeah, I, when you're stressed and you're not happy, you make poor decisions. I think that's poor a pretty fair statement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, as I'm as we're chatting, I'm like going back to like when I was starting my practice. Like, yeah, I wish I would learn this all the same stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> it goes across any business. So. Yeah, yeah, awesome. absolutely, absolutely. So, so t tell me about the the Women in Physical Therapy Summit. So what led you to create this? How did this come about? Well, I think it was sort of created just to give women who may be, women who, have, who are doing great things in the world, doing great things in the physical therapy profession, but have never really had the platform to talk about all the great stuff that they're doing. And so that's essentially why it was created. It was created as, as a way to give inspiration to therapists, both young and old or new let's say not young and old that didn't come out right how about uh newer in their profession in the profession and more veterans in the profession um and again to uh, to give people a platform to give people a voice to talk about issues that are really affecting women in the profession in a way that's open unfiltered fair and respectful and I think all of that has come through in the past three years of the summit. And it's something that, you know, I think I'm really proud of that the, the other therapists, uh, Erica Mello, Sandy Hilton, who had worked on this from the beginning, I think that's something that we're all really proud of is that we can have difficult conversations, people can disagree and debate, and it be healthy and fun and informative and kind of push things forward a little bit. So that's kind of why it it was created and you know now we'll we'll see where it goes in the future i'm always have an open mind and and i'm willing to let it evolve as time comes yeah so it's an open like authentic and educational type format where women can come together to to build each other up yeah women and men women and men gotcha we we always want our men there because you know if if there are things going on in their profession you need every you need both sides of 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 um a debate there you know if we're only preaching to the choir it only gets so far so we love love having our male allies there as well any big big takeaways thus far from the summit um i mean i think there were plenty but i think the biggest thing is that uh people felt safe to speak their mind and I think if you can create an environment where people feel safe and where people feel empowered and people feel like they can say what's on their mind without any uh, backlash, then I think you've created a nice space. And so I think that's the best thing that that I've learned and that has come out of that is, you know, people feel good. People feel good about it and they leave feeling energized and, you know, it's inspired women to start their own practices and to speak up at work and a lot of other stuff. So I think that's a, in my book, that's a, a success. Awesome. 
Well, Dr. Lipsy, I, I can't thank you for enough for being being on the show today. I, I, I know that our, our listeners will get a ton of value out of this podcast and, and also chiming into your podcast and to, to help them build their practice. Um, again, your podcast is Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. And uh, again, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Security, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2019-90279, expiration 11-2021.